Welcome to Weird Sauce, a podcast about formulas. In these conversations, I intend to rethink with you the rhythms of our lives. From the exceptional to the routine, I wander into the patterns, the alchemy of experiences, good and bad, from scientists to high achievers. Life is not a long, quiet river, so follow me upstream into the extraordinary, the storms, the mishaps, the components that may inspire you today and tomorrow. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Your health is your responsibility and that of your physician. Always seek advice from your physician before choosing any lifestyle interventions you may have heard in this podcast. Rani Chia, welcome to Weird Sauce. Thank you for welcoming us into your uh, restaurant, Tetsuya, here in Singapore. It's a pleasure to see you uh, and to be able to do this interview live. Could you kindly introduce yourself for our audience? Thank you, Professor. Uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Rani. My surname is Chia and my full name is P. Tat. Uh, Tatsuya is actually named after me. So I have this place for since uh, 1998 and until today, it's been 23 years already. So thank you for coming actually, seriously. So what? tell us, tell us, because we know each other, we've known each other for some time. Yeah. Um, for more than a decade. For more than yeah. a decade. but. Um, for somebody who's listening to this um, somewhere in the world, in their car, in their shower, and they want to know about you, your story, tell us a little bit how you got to be, you know, one of the best Japanese restaurants in Singapore. Um, surely that's not accidental. Yeah, actually, you're right. Um, my career, actually, I would say is all predestined by God, you know, the one above us. And basically because I lost my dad at an early age, at the age about 12 years old, my dad left us because uh, he wasn't feeling well. So being number five in the family, but being the eldest guys, I have four sisters ahead of me. And the traditional Chinese way of thinking is that the guy, the eldest guys in the family should shoulder the responsibility. So I hop out at the age of 13 I did a couple of odd jobs when I from 12 to 13 and I managed to back for a job at the age of 13 under the flagship of Mr. Nogawa and he took me in under the illegal employment. I was paid $75 a month to do all the odd jobs in a Japanese restaurant. And actually I don't mind because I feel really happy that, you know, uh, he really took care of me and, you know, provide me with all the necessary things that I need to have as a kid. So, and I have to take care of my younger siblings because they are under my care. So I have to work very hard in order to support them with their studies. And last but not least, I have to take care of my mom as well. So that's what strengthened me. And that's what motivated to be me to be where I am today. Yeah. But Ronnie, so something very strange in this pathway is, so we're in Singapore, we're not in Japan, and you decide to go for one of the cuisine that's 
the hardest to achieve in terms of one of the hardest. No, no apologies to <laughs> the French and the cuisine out there, but we know the Japanese cuisine requires, especially sushi. Uh, requires an extraordinary amount of uh, techniques. It's also something different to be a chef than from being a business owner. So tell us how you went from thinking, I just want to have a, a restaurant to I want to have something of the order of magnitude that a top Japanese restaurant actually is. Well, initially, it, there was no plan of me having uh, my own shop. It was just like, you know, uh, as long as I can get some... Uh, I mean, if I, as long as I'm paid, I can, you know, feed the family. That was my first objective in life. There wasn't any plan at all. But along the way, my mentor used to tell me, you got to start young, you got to think big, you got to stick to it. So these are the three statements that is always, you know, instilled in me. And that's what really actually motivated me to have my own, uh, to start up my own uh, uh, Japanese restaurant. And also I come to think of it that I have no education, I have no debt, and I have no money. What can I do in the future? So I took up that this is going to be the, my career for the rest of my life. And after going through all the hardships with all the Japanese, uh, I mean, especially my mentor, he was telling me that being a chef, no matter at what age, at what time, no matter how tough it is, you still be able to feed yourself because you're a chef, you cook your own food. You know, you're not to be going to be at the mercy of anyone. Even if the macro and micro economy crashes, you still be able to feed yourself. So that particular statement actually motivated me that uh, creating food for myself and last but not least, to be able to create food for somebody else and to turn it into a business is something that, you know, I've never thought before. But after going through and after seeing what he had done, and I realized that this is actually a very, very good challenge for me. Besides learning the Japanese culinary, if I can be able to turn something that I really like into a business, I think I believe I'll be able to make the best out of it because it requires a lot of passion. And passion is, is what I have at a young age. I mean, till today, I still have it because our attitude determines our future, you see. So tell us, was was this a linear road? You started and then all of a sudden you're super famous and it works uh, like no. a charm? Uh, Rome wasn't built in one day, so my career was not even built in one day as well. It's through many hardship, humiliation, like, you know, you see success here, but below adversity, below the word success, there's a lot of sacrifices, hard work, discipline, late nights, criticism and all blah, 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 you know. Now, definitely everyone who's successful up there will have to go through all these things, you see. But uh, what really motivates us is, I mean, myself is my family, actually. And last but not least, uh, dollars and cents is also part of the motivation factor. Without money, you can't do anything. But with money, there's, it's not everything. So that's this statement, you see. But what actually really motivate me to be in this trade is because there was once when I served a customers and I realized that what magic a good food can do to a customers. They, were, they came in very angry, but I managed to turn the scenario the other way around by making them 
good food and eventually they became happy. So I come to understand food is an international language actually without speaking because you put, you just, you just created a dish and you're not just serving your own um, Singaporeans or your own people in town. You have international clientele coming in to eat the same food and they all give you the same command saying that, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And they feel happy and you can see the smile in them. And, and that's also part of the motivation that, that drives me to create even better food and, you know, making them happy. And, you know, it kind of makes my day. Um, during younger age, maybe money is important, but as you grow, I mean, I mean, the business is successful and why I'm still around is because I love to continue to create good food, to see them smile and to see the regulars coming back is also a satisfaction to me. And last but not least, I serve the regulars generation by generation by generation. I even have four generations to five generation kinds of customers following me till today. So that is what that keeps me, you know, uh, moving on and, you know, the driving force in me to today. Yeah. So we're sitting here and behind you, there's, there's a few of the photographs of some of the people that you, you, you got to serve. Um, tell us about that pre 2019, pre pandemic. Well, thank God, actually, uh, before the pre COVID business has been, uh, I mean, we have been doing very well here because we're serving the elite and we are serving the macro and micro decision makers. Last but not least, we are also serving the so-called executives of the, not just Singapore, globally, actually, I believe they all traveled in and out of Singapore and most of them would know this place. Mm. And uh, yes, it is our hard work that, you know, create this awareness in the market and also most important thing is that we need the blessing from God as well, actually, you know, without God, we are nothing. I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, God is great, but seriously, I've been through a path that nobody would understand that at the young age, you lost your father. There's nobody to talk to. The only person you talk to is him up there. And he responds to you by telling you that, uh, if you encounter a, and I mean, you encounter something which you thought you're going to be the end of the life, please just add a B in front of an END and it becomes a band. And it works actually, it works. And uh, because of his blessing, that's why I'm able to be here today and meeting the four presidency of Singapore and the three premiership that I have served. And Actually, it's God's blessing. Despite hard work, you still need His blessing, actually. So how do you um, learn how to be a business person? Did you go to business school? Did you learn the business side of it? Because there's a difference, as I said before, between being a chef and actually making a business work. Well, in this trade, actually, the first thing first is you must know what you must know. So the know-how. Now, after accumulating the know-how is the know-who. So the know-who that is also very important in life because it's all about connection. And also if you do a good job, naturally the good word of mouth will travel. 
and that's where it's more important to have good word of mouth rather than you advertise, you use money to do advertisement. Sometimes, you know, when people come, they don't see the expectation that they want to see because you can write about a lot of good things on the ad. But through the actual moment, word, word of mouth, people normally tell the truth. I mean, if they are your good clients that they want their friends to have good food, they share all the good things with the friend. The word of mouth is actually more important than an advertisement, that's to me. Yeah. And the difficulty of, of being in this field, let's just for a moment do a thought experiment and just think, put ourselves back into the life of before, so to speak. So before COVID-19, the, uh, the demands on, on someone like you to host people, to entertain, to be uh, up late at night, to work very long hours. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, everybody knows that in the FMB business is uh, definitely long hours unless, you know, you have a, I mean, why, why do we have to work so long hours? Basically, the first thing that is the dollars and cents, the justification. Uh, the rental here in Singapore is, I mean, you guys know that it's cost a bomb and the emoluments as well, which meaning the salaries of the staff in Singapore. Back 20 years ago to today, there's an increase about 40% because the currency fluctuation due to currency fluctuation and last but not least property prices and increased taxes increases. So the properties owners will have to increase the rental as well. So and uh, pre COVID, everything was normal. But after pre after COVID exists, a lot of things have increased. For example, air freight charges has increased. Uh, the, the salary of the workers, you know, has increased as well. I mean, for the, I mean, my guys is always safe with me because as long as I work hard, you know, they know me because they know me for many years. And why do they last long with me? Because I implement this thing in life is I care and I share. First, you care for their welfare because they're going to be your team. And then if you make it in life, you share the profits with them. That's how to last. How that's how to make a business last, and your team can last. You see, and uh, dollars and cents is important, but you have to understand that you need a team to run with you because this success is a marathon; it's never a destination. And last but not least, uh, by doing that, it is also another form testimonial. I mean, testimony can be in the written form. It can be in this, what I call practical form, physical form, because when the regular customers come in to dine in your place by looking at the numbers of old stuff that you have, it, it's telling them something that, you know, oh, why the staff has, have been with you for a long period. It means something is good with the company. So in simple words, it spells a lot of things by looking at the regular staff that you have for a number of years or maybe decades or two decades. I have staffs with me for two decades as well. So that is a very important testimonial to, to, for me, you know, to tell the customers that besides being a good chef, besides being a good uh, businessman, you also have to be a good boss, you see. And that's what makes us last in the market for so many years, you know. Very demanding profession, um, long hours, front-facing customer so the way that you show up 
uh, to the world, the way that you show up to your customer. There's clearly some, having known you for a while, I have a bit of a longitudinal data on it. So there's, there's a certain rigor here. There's a certain strength. So tell us what's behind the scene on that. Well, basically it's also the team, the teamwork that I put in together with the rest of the crew here. Because I believe that uh, as an individual, you can only achieve this much. But if you put the word together, team, it's spelled as T-E-A-M, there's a meaning to it. The meaning is together, everybody achieve more. T-E-A-M, meaning more what? More result, more customers coming in, the more effort they put in, they have their regulars, I have my regulars. So it tells you see more revenue coming in. So I would say that I also use this as a motivating factor for my staff that the more they do, the more revenue we have and the more emoluments they will have as well. So this is also one of the key factors that have implemented. And to be honest with you, nobody will work for free. Everybody is out to work for dollars and cents. And if the so-called the value is not there, so the justification is not there to them is nonsense actually. So therefore it is very important that you implement the word I can, I share. Mm. And on the the requirement of this lifestyle, so you, you, you need to entertain, you need to be there, you need to maybe eat and drink with some of your friends or customers or the, the, the lineage and the barrier between the two are probably not that clear. What does it take to survive this industry for so long physically? Is there anything you do specially that other actually, people... Actually, there's a lot of things behind it. You see, there are regular customers who come as for family. There are regular customers who spend from the company account. So you have to differentiate as well. So of course, I will try to please everybody. But uh, example, I try to give 10% back, you know, in a way or two by bringing them out for a drink or maybe, you know, have a, a game of golf at the golf course. Uh, to the other regulars who don't play golf, who don't sing or don't need my entertainment, I will buy them some sake here. That is also, I mean, I don't, I don't uh, just take. In the business, there's this word give and take. So that's how I keep them coming back as well because uh, every time when we have something new, we will call them and we will even uh, send it to them just to create awareness that we have this thing in, 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 in the shop that you like to try. So there are, there are people who come here immediately, but there are people who doesn't want to come immediately. So we have to reach out to them. So this is what it's all about, to be able to reach out to them and also at the same time to be able to please those existing customers here. You know, because customers are forever changing. Actually, uh, the young one will grow, the old one will go. So Eventually, it's a cycle in our industry that you meet new people and you continue to wow them with your culinary and the way you entertain and the way you so-called, uh, there's a word to it, I know. It's, 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 it's a total package, actually. It's how you, you sell this total package to the customers, actually. And in, in terms of much more personal stuff, so you kind of like a captain of a ship or a pilot in a, in a very big aircraft and lots of people are in it. So the pilot have to look after themselves. What do you do uh, considering late nights, uh, entertaining to keep yourself showing up in the morning fit? 
and to be able to represent your brand in a different way, which is your, your physical appearance to people. Um, you've been in this business for a long time. So how do you manage that? Okay. To be honest, God is fair. He gave me a pair of good hands, but he didn't give me a, a good looking face. But consider this is not bad, actually, you know. Uh, but then in terms of fitness, it's all self-discipline. Knowing that you have to, you know, work late, you know, late hours. You have to wake up early in the morning. So the food that you take is also very important. I'm lucky that, that my wife is also very health conscious that she also take care of my dietaries as well. So most of my, I mean, breakfast is the most important meal, actually, if you ask me, the first thing that you wake up. So I'm so lucky and happy that my wife plans my breakfast. And after that, uh, most of the time I eat in my shop. And they are all called, of course, there are certain local dishes that I like here, you know, pork rice, you know, wonton soup, wonton meal, this, you know. But basically, to keep yourself fit is actually a, a, a lot of exercise is required. So, and to put my career in place, I actually went through four surgeries, twice in the stomach due to excessive drinking and excessive stress, one on the eye because of aging, and last but not least, one on the neck because of the herniation on the neck due to my work, because I have to bend my head every now and then. And after going through this four operation, I feel very weak actually initially because uh, it's like plus aging and, and all this, you know, surgery really, you know, put me, you know, in a bad shape. Thank God I have a few friends who need a health business. They are the ones who put me right on track again by, you know, going to their gym to exercise regularly and the right proteins, you know. And then come COVID, you know, all the gyms are shut down. So again, I use the word is self-discipline because you do not, do not have to go to the gym necessarily. You just have to do it at home. So it's all self-discipline. And this business requires a lot of mental fitness, actually, more than physical, because the amount of stress is coming from macro, microeconomy, coming from the, you know, the, the people we call the people. As long as you're dealing business with people, there's bound to be a lot of stress because I have 20 over staff, so I have 20 over characters to handle. And last but not least, the external factor, so-called the clients as well. So you can't please everybody. So there are certain people, you know, who are not happy with your, your, your service or your team. So you have to do ratification. And that is the toughest part, actually. So because uh, first understand what, how, why, when wrong. And then from there, only you can ratify the situation. But there are certain time that there are certain times that you went, you have to encounter people who are unreasonable. <laughs> And you still have to, you know, swallow and, you know, try to make them come back. Rather, if you, if you can make them come back, that means it's a win-win situation for you rather than to turn them away. And then there will be negative word of mouth from them. And meaning that this will affect, more or less affect, you know, your reputation in the market. So I'm actually always consciously competence at all time regarding these tiny, tiny details about, you know, customers feedback and so on and so forth, because these are the tiny little things that you do not take care, you become a big problem. 
So I'm very conscious about tiny details rather than big issue. Because if tiny issues are well controlled, well managed, you won't see big problem, big issues coming in. So, so 20, 2019 closes it, 2021 arrives, bringing with it this new wave of problems, which is called a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. In the hospitality business, in the travel business, people were impacted disproportionately probably early on. And now that we're still in 2021, continue to be affected uh, somewhat differently than other businesses. Talk to us about what that was like, because I assume you've never known a pandemic before this. Precisely, yeah. This is, I mean, I've been through ups and downs, SARS, MERS, and the Lehman Brother crisis, the Fukushima no, radiation crisis we went through. But this time around, I think this is one of the worst that I've ever seen, you know, because it's really affecting everybody's daily life, the livelihood. A lot of places has been, I mean, business has been destroyed without you guys knowing because I'm in the industry, so I hear a lot, you know, so. And thank God that we didn't squander our profits because uh, we know there's always a place where we call rainy days, you know, or to buy umbrellas for rainy days or such, you know. In life, there's always pressure and pleasure. So if you are able to accept this thing called pressure and pleasure, which is what we are going through now is pressure, but pressure won't last long as well because tough times and good times, they don't last. As long as you are tough, you will last, you know. So after this pressure, which I foresee will last until maybe 2023, for everything to subside will probably take 2024, you will see pleasure coming in as well. So it's, it's all about how tough you are, you know. So, okay, we, we are going through a pandemic, right? But what you need to do for yourself, like, I mean, I use this word, I have to do a pandemic, P-L-A-N-demic, pandemic for the company. I mean, for my own company and for the team as well, because moving on, nobody can help you except yourself or God, you know, these are the two things I react, myself and God, you know, to make the team understand what we are going through is not easy as well, because the last but last but not least, because this is also the first time they're going through a pandemic with us, you see, nobody has ever gone through this before. So I understand the frustration that they are facing, also being controlled, being monopolized by, you know, what, you know, the new norm, you know, mask, you know, and, you know, uh, swap tests and, you know, vaccination is compulsory and all that. So I share with them that this is a protocol that everybody has to go through. So without the vaccination, I'm so sorry, they can't work as well. So, and this is one of the toughest part to convince everybody to go for vaccination and swap tests, you see. And I, as a leader, we have to set an example. So I'll be the first one doing it and everybody will follow. And there's a reason to it. Why? If you don't do it, first, you can't travel. Secondly, you can't eat in other places. You can't even go out. So, you, and, and this will be the new norm. You just have to accept it and move on. Be positive about it because life still have to carry on. And like I say, good times don't last, bad times don't last. Only the tough one will last. So you need to be mentally tough about it. Were there times at the very beginning of, of the, the pandemic and with successive quasi-lockdown, where you actually panicked or you were anxious that you did not have a clear path out of this? 
Well, initially, of course, when this thing took occurrence, it was all like it's like big surprise to everybody, especially you know in the F and B industry. But again, being shocked, panic will bring you nowhere. Complaining, complaining will bring you nowhere. So you just have to implement these three words in you. Just do it by thinking out of the box, creating new menus for takeaways, and thinking out of the box. You know, for example, you know that raw. Raw food because we're handling sushi. So any raw sushi that you know put in a box, and after a couple of minutes or maybe uh, I wouldn't know the duration from the the shop to the house is you know maybe twenty minutes. Somehow rather the freshness is going to be gone. It's not there. So you have to think out of the box to create something that would last hour, one hour, two hours after, despite taking away from the shop. So that's where we come up with the aburi sushi. Which is the talk of a town now, and my clients are actually very happy with the so-called creation that we have done during this uh, last year's uh, pandemic to 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 twenty twenty and twenty twenty one lockdown actually. So along the way, we also find out you know what they really love to eat at home. You know, in Jap in terms of Japanese culinary, that's why we can come up with some hot dishes as well. And uh, along the way, we give them instructions like when they when the food reaches your house, this is what you must do: step one, step two, step three. So, and thank God it all works, and you know the clients are very happy. And so far, they rate us as the best uh, delivery or takeaway presentation that they have seen so far during this lockdown. So, mm. and do you do you ask yourself how? Much the role of food and eating together um, plays in being well or feeling well. Considering what you just had as a as an example of having empty restaurants and only being able to eat out perhaps less together, and to eat out from boxes and to eat out from delivery, has this made you rethink the role of food and food and togetherness in a different way? Actually, it did. Actually, it's actually um, it made me think out of the box as well to you know actually create and recreate. You know, besides, okay, for example, now knowing that the situation, you know, the economy. I mean, we 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 are open here just not because it is safe. It's because of the economy situation is bad, and if they don't open, we're going to be dead. So, and there's still a lot of fear in people who doesn't come out. So. If those people who are vaccinated and there's fear who doesn't come out, we think out of the box that we go to their house and cater to them. So this is the only one of the best way that we can do for now during this uh, pandemic. And for yourself and your family, have you coped in different ways? Have you used food as a mechanism of coping? Because I've noticed here in Singapore that pretty much at some point there was all that was left to us as an enjoyment of life. So uh, did you find this yourself as well? Yeah, actually you did actually, you know, I mean, food, you know, when you have a family gathering, what's the first thing that's on the table? Food, right? So it, it, will, it will continue to be food that will bring everybody together and it will continue to be food that make people happy. So this will be an ongoing thing is how you, you know, what sort of, uh, for example, for my family, we, my, 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 my wife is a Japanese, so she most of the time she 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 wouldn't go out 
you know, she wouldn't be dining out so often because of the so-called uh, uh, COVID, the pandemic. So she would be, how to keep the family intact? She was saying that, you know, you have to continue to cook good food to bring all of everybody back to home. You know, after a hard day's work or, or, or after school, you come back. The first thing first is that when you eat good food, it makes your day, you'll be happy, you know. So I'm, thank God I have a wife that's, who still know how to, you know, keep the family intact during this pandemic by creating good food as well. So my wife is a good cook as well, actually, you know. And do you think overall, we, as in we, all of us citizens around the world, we've sort of taken um, restaurants and people who provide food, not just top end, but hawker centers here and in other cities, the more modest, you know, on the ground food for granted. And that we did not realize the role that they actually play in our lives. Well, I only can say that they didn't take us for granted. Actually, they actually appreciate what we have done. Actually, this pandemic has uh, shows a lot of things to the customers. Actually, how we, you know, pull through these pandemics. You know, I mean, some too bad, some didn't last. You see, but I would say that yes, the customers actually did not only did not take us for granted. But actually, they really appreciate what we have done, actually. Besides, uh, you know, going through this pandemic, this hardship, and we still have to think out of the box of how to create menu to serve to them. And we implement like, you know, for takeaway, we don't use those plastic container. We think of all those uh, cypress wood, you know, that can, you know, get rid of bacteria and how to protect the food from bacteria and along the way they'll this weather in Singapore is hot you know I know it's hot so and as soon as you bring the food out you know you, you there's a lot of you know virus you know around us so so tiny little details like we in, we import cypress wood you know uh, uh, food paper you know to cover everything keep it clean and neat and then and take this tiny detail that they see, they really appreciate what we have done actually, because these are all efforts to, you know, keep the food fresh and, you know, and for presentation as well. But last but not least is how to keep the food fresh, is it? In mm. talking about fresh, so problem with climate change and sustainability of food is, is a big topic now, particularly so for Singapore, if, if the, uh, the audience is not familiar with the fact that we import quite a lot of food, if not all of it. And we have a very high dependency on those. Um, we're not an agriculture uh, city yeah. uh, state. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile um, climate change, food sustainability with getting the best of the products that you need to have over here? Okay, uh, first and foremost, uh, my ingredients actually doesn't really have much to do with the climate change in the Singapore waters because 100% of the fishes or the ingredients are imported from directly from Japan. So I have a procurement office in Japan who does all these uh, uh, imports from Japan. So I'm the one who check it personally without fail. So because quality control is plays the most important role before you can even, you know, send it to the shop and before the clients can even, uh, you know, um, before you can even serve it to the client. So, so thank God that uh, Japan has got 
many prefectures. So, if, for example, during the Fukushima plant radiation, northeast was affected. So, at least we can use fishes from south and west, which they are not affected. But even if you say that during summer times, there are certain, you know, because we don't just use south and west or north and east, you will only have the Korean and Japan Straits, you know. So the fishes from those areas are always, you know, uh, because Hokkaido, the, the sea is always cold. Even during summer, the, the temperature of the sea is still, is quite cold, actually. It's not even, uh, I mean, it's still considered as cold water fish. So it's always safe to have fishes from these uh, Japan Straits or, you know, but definitely not from Singapore. So it's a promise to, you see, I guarantee my clients that it's a promise that, you know, all the ingredients, even the vegetables during this class, this pandemic, you know, everything is directly imported from Japan. This is a promise. This is a guarantee. So that's why, that's what keep the customers coming back to you today. And Ronnie, uh, Japan is known for having a, um, a reverie, so to speak, of producer and produce. Very good, very good produce, and to be very proud of the length that would they go to produce something exceptional. Do you think this is unique to Japan that we seem to have? We, as in in the West, and I would include to some extent Singapore in it. We don't focus so much on the produce; we focus on the on the outcome. H how do you feel about the difference between this approach to produce-centric uh, cuisine that Japan has? Well, basically, it's the attention to detail and the pride that the people have in Japan that, you know, when they do something, they must make it right and they must make it happen. And also, we don't, we are actually handicapped in this area because of our climate here in Singapore. And also, we don't have four seasons here as well. And last but not least, the so-called the soil in Singapore is not as good as what we see in uh, Japan, any part of Japan, you name it, you see it. They, the soil, the soil, the, the soil that they use, the water that they use is so much different from what we see in Singapore. So the quality of the product is definitely, there's no comparison actually, if you really ask me. So, I mean, I mean, I have customers asking, Warani, Warani -san, why aren't you using the fish from the Singapore or Malaysia or, you know. Now, the reason is because the, the seawater here is warm and any fishes that you bring up here can only be eaten cooked or fried because of bacteria. I wouldn't want to take risk to use a local fish and to turn it into sashimi and eventually your stomachs will be, you know, badly, you know. I mean, you definitely you feel feel bad. I mean, uh, the word is diarrhea, actually, if you ask me. So to be safe, uh, not to be safe, I definitely cannot put ourselves in that kind of situation. So therefore, I would rather sacrifice paying more rather than using cheaper quality for the customers, even though if I don't make money, if I have to do it at a loss, I have to absorb it. So that's about Tatsuya. We don't, we don't stinge on quality. Mm. And Ronnie, so um, as an industry and you have children and you maybe some of our listeners are in the younger category, what would you recommend uh, in terms of a pathway into life? Would, so in other words, this is a circumvented way to ask you, if you had the ability to start all over again, would you do it? Well, 
yes, I will do it again because why I come to understand no matter how I have friends who are highly educated, but at the end of the day, it's all about uh, determination. So what, in whatever line you do, if you're highly educated, even if you're not educated, if you choose to do something, I can only give them this advice. There's only three words in your life in the front, and there's another three words behind in your life. The first three words in the life is just do it. Don't complain. Just get it done. By getting it done, only you will see a result. Okay? After you achieve success, there's next three words. Don't ever give up. Because along the way, along the way, there are bound to be a lot of obstacles because stages is not a success, is never a destination. We call it stages of success. First stage, second stage, third stage, fourth stage, whichever stage you're in, there are bound to be obstacles. So you already achieved the first stage, the second stage, after the stage of success by just doing it, just doing it, just doing it. So why would you want to give up after going through so many stages of success and then you encounter one obstacles? Some people will easily give up, easy enough, because about to maybe financial problem and all that, you see, but all this has to be self-management. Everything is all about management. If something is bad, what happened? Why does it, why it was, why did something went wrong? Because there's mismanagement. Why is this company doing well? Because they are managing it well. So it spells out, everything spells out to how good you are in managing. Be it your fund, your people, yourself, your clients. So it's all about management, TQM, total quality management. Sounds like you had, with the surgery and everything that you put forward, you put skin in the game. Is it is it a, a term that has meaning to you when you look at the younger generation, perhaps, of people who are doing uh, the same industry that you've been practicing in for so many years? Well, if you ask me in my industry, I will only can give them an advice is uh, they still have to continue to think hard, work hard, and also create hard, think out of the box, because today is very different from the time where I started. So there's a lot of competition. Back those days, when I started in this trade, there were only five Japanese restaurants. So that piece of pie was only shared by five people. Right. Today, we have thousand over Japanese restaurants. So that same piece of pie is being shared by thousand over people. So how to last in the market? First, like I say, think out of the box, meaning step out of your comfort zone. So everybody has a comfort zone, including myself, yourself. So uh, we can only be in a comfort zone once in a while, but most of the time we have to be out, you know, because as long as you're in business, as long as you want to be in the industry, you have to continue to think out the box. Nothing is free. So you just have to work hard for it. Nothing is free, seriously, through my experience. You know. Ronnie, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Uh, honestly, if you ask me, it's still work. Actually, I have to go through emails and, you know, orderings of, you know, for, because Japanese uh, the Toyosu market starts at 2 a.m. You know, officially the fishes will, you know, the so-called auction will start at 5 a.m. So, which is Singapore 6 a.m. So, not every day, but one week you have to probably wait, I mean, do midnight job for three days. I mean, if business pre-COVID, we have to do it for four days because we have shipment coming in from Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. 
but now there's there's restriction on flight paths and so on and so forth and so I kind of cut it down to you know twice a week or ma at most maximum three times a week also because uh, we haven't reached 100% of what we have seen in pre-COVID. Now business is only coming back 70, 65, 75%. So there's up and down. So. And this also has a lot to do with global, you know, this global pandemic, you know, because if one country is affected, we are all linked. See, if one is no good, the, the rest of the parts of the world will be not be good as well. So it's not just based on one country. So everything is linked. So it is very hard for us to get to, to predict, you know, what is going to happen next, you see. So, but as far as I'm concerned now at this point of time, with the so-called uh, help from the government and allowing us to open, we just have to, you know, discipline ourselves and just have to be more careful in order to uh, protect the customers and our team. So bringing in good food uh, is still a continuous uh, game and our journey for me uh, because we will not be stinging costs actually we will still be on the other hand we'll still be bringing even better quality to come in to because i understand everybody's sentiment is very different from before so the only way to make them happy is create good food and foods is a, like i say it's an international language you don't speak the same language but we sit down we eat the same food we see each other we all smile so is this an international language so. And to conclude this very interesting conversation we had together today, I would like to ask you a question I ask all my guests on this podcast, and that is, life is difficult, life is a big journey. What weird sauce have you put onto your own life that you could share with people listening today? My recipe, actually, the weird sauce is, it is the people that I meet, actually, the team that I have, like I say, we do internal internal auditing is my team. External audit is the client. So I put all these things together. It becomes a recipe for me. And from there, like learning, learning is a continuous journey. So we have clients from different works of life. So I hear from them and then I absorb what they are facing. And then the good things I will implement, the bad things I'll just cut it aside. And also I speak to my staff as well. What problem are they encountering? And then from there, I don't have to experience it by myself, but by listening to what they experience, I put it into a recipe so that I'm going to use this to, to, to know how to treat the people or to move on facing the new challenges or whoever is encountering any problem. This is what we are going to use that I have absorbed because their experience will become part of me. Instead of me experiencing it, they have already shared with me. So I will use it, you know, be it from external auditing and the ex internal auditing, the customers and the, the staff's uh, experience. So these are the recipe that I will accumulate and I will turn it into a, yeah, the weird sauce actually, yeah. A magical yeah, it's, recipe. Yeah, it's something magical because based on your own experience, you know, you may be able to do this much, but listening to all these different works of life, what they encounter, it really enhances the situation. It really enhances you and makes you think, oh my God, this, we are facing this problem. They are facing that problem. So how to 
prevent us from facing that problem, right? So that you have listened to the experience. So you will plan what to do. You know what I mean? You, 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 you preempt the situation. You know this is going to happen or you prevent this from happening. You have to do this, blah, 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 in order to see a, a good path in front of you. So that's why I say now we are in a pandemic, uh, so-called, uh, no, no more the pandemic, actually. We are in the, we're living in the pandemic, you know. Ronnie, thank you very much for your time thank and you. welcoming you into your restaurant. Thank you so much. And for thank coming. you for bringing joy <laughs> and happiness to people. Thank you. I hope the listeners enjoyed what I'm saying, actually. Thank you so much for coming, actually. Professor, thank you. If this conversation stopped you in your track, share it with your network. You never know whose life you might change for the better. Thank you for listening. Stay curious about our next guest and stay curious about life.